Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian. Joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. Hello. <laughs> and your co-host, Hunter. Howdy. And your co-host, Spaz. Hello. And my friends, we are joined by two guests today, joining us from North Carolina and Florida, respectfully, Tony Romanelli, the CEO of Frontwire Studios, and Richard Ebanks, the COO of Frontwire Studios, here to talk about Galaxy in Turmoil. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having us on, man. Hey, man. How you doing? Oh, yeah, uh, not great. Um, not great at all, you ask. Um, welcome. So, uh... We want to talk about Galaxy and Terminal. We want to talk about the Kickstarter. First of all, before to get to, to start off, why don't you tell the folks your elevator pitch of what exactly Galaxy and Turmoil is, if they don't know. Definitely. So Galaxy and Turmoil aim to be a spiritual successor to the canceled Star Wars Battlefront 3. Uh, it is a multiplayer game uh, with multiple factions ground to space combat excuse me and all the fun stuff that would have been in the original battlefront 3 so it's really a like i said a spiritual successor to a lot of early arcade so the history on this thing because are you guys from like original front wire back in in those days and then like kept it going once that got canceled you want me to handle this one yeah go ahead yeah, so we we are from the original team. Um, there was a team prior to us by only like a handful of months, like maybe one two months or so. Um, mm -hmm. But a lot of those people had moved on from the project because they had felt that there was no real. It was just a for fun every now and then thing for them. Um, it was Tony mm -hmm. and I who actually took it. And we're like, wait, there's some real talent here. Um, there's the real ability to turn this into something, and we were you know dead serious on the original battlefront idea we were been mm -hmm. some pretty good headway into some into some uh more star wars related content back in the day um well, like the was, the original game was was like a darn near done thing right like i saw footage of it and and it was like i could play that right now and then disney bought uh lucas arts that well bought yeah uh, lucas film <laughs> shut down lucas arts I, I don't know where Frontwire was. Were you guys like attached to EA at the time, or how did that work? And no, we uh, we weren't. We we weren't, we we were a completely um, different entity from everything altogether. It was really just a group of fans that had seen the original game and saw what was promised and what could have been, and we kind of wanted that same. We wanted to bring that same idea to life. Oh, okay, I thought I thought you guys actually had part of the dev team from that. Well. That so we definitely, we, yeah, we kind of did. So the way it worked was uh, everybody kind of started reviving it uh, through, you know, just fan work. And then we actually had a core group of our team actually go out and start reaching out to former developers from uh, Free Radical Studios, the team that was building uh, the original Battlefront 3. And we'd reached out to them and a lot of these devs were upset that, you know, their jobs got canned. This project they'd been working on for years that was like 99% done just got thrown out. So they started coming on and actually helping us and advising us in, you know, what we could do. They gave us some concept art. They gave us old videos, all this resource that we could use to go ahead and actually build Battlefront 3. Um, unfortunately, like you said, though, you know, it did get kind of shut down. Um, yeah, because we lost a lot in that, that whole Disney mistake uh <laughs> that went on because uh hunter and i were watching that uh what what was that hunter 1515 or what, what uh, was 13, the name 1313 13, yeah, 13. Oh, yeah. 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 We, we watched like a, a long video of that thing and it was just like holy shit that that game's like done man and and it was not a jedi in sight no lightsabers it was glorious because uh, I just I, I want yeah. Star Wars that's free that of was, that. That was that was that was a thing that was really interesting about the timing of like the genre of Star Wars games, which was we were we were definitely getting into more and more realms of less and less Star Wars universe games of, of lightsabers, right? So like it kind of started with the with the space sim stuff, the flight sim stuff, in, in the nineties, you know, X Wing and Tie Fighter and all that other stuff. 
but then we get Shadows of the Empire, which is a, a game completely based on non non being a Jedi at all. Um, which you know, all things considered, for the timing was pretty astounding that they didn't go for something that did have like a lightsaber in it, right? And you know, flash forward to post, you know, Revenge of the Sith, two thousand five. LucasArts has quite a few things in its in its projects, and then Disney comes along, you know, several years later, and you know, cans the entirety of LucasArts, where they had several projects, start up their own, and then cancel all of their own projects in the world. It's just like, you know, yeah, and and then we, they we had, had so much. We had so well, but before you continue, we had so much cont- like content available to us or potential content available to us not just in like officially developed games but the modding community in like the mid to late 2000s was on fire right mm. they, they were just on fire with making mods and total conversions and all kinds of stuff anyway yeah go ahead <laughs> so i didn't realize i had forgot maybe i'd forgotten that Battlefront 3 was not only going to be a thing, but it was that close to completion. I had no idea. Yeah, no, it was it was honestly super close. You know, we were lucky enough, like I said, to get together with a lot of the past devs and things like that. Um, and what we saw, I mean, you'd be shocked at how close it was. You know, there's, there's kind of a saying that when the mouse gets involved in stuff, like everything kind of goes um it did happen with a lot of star wars projects and that's kind of why we wanted to step in you know a lot of people at the time were like oh you guys are you know trying to uh, piss off star wars uh fans or you're trying to you know piss off the mouse or ea and it was never really about that it was just we saw something that we really wanted it didn't happen and we're like well why can't we do it we weren't trying to make money off it so we're like let's just go ahead and you know just see what we can do yeah like you're pissing off the mouse because you're doing such a damn good job (laughs) that's the thing but no seriously though that's the thing that like kills me about some of these bigger studios that are trying to micromanage all of this content i mean star trek's in the same boat right like we we finally just got all the rights back under one banner again for for star trek like all of those you know different licensees and stuff like that that was split between viacom and paramount and all this other nonsense like it's finally back under one banner, so I'm really kind of curious to see what happens going forward from that. But like with you know, with with, with these modders and these developers out there, it's really kind of hard for like even someone to make a fan made project anymore because then they get shut down just for being a fan and wanting to make something cool with their fandom. You know, it's weird. You don't go after an artist when they make a piece of art because they like a thing and they do like a, a representation of somebody. God forbid that someone does the same thing with a video game. Yeah. Well, the difference, I'm sorry. Uh, the difference with that was, you know, when you have a piece of art, you're, you're making a rendition of something. You're, you're really just doing it out of, you know, you have a passion for it. When you have something like a video game, their biggest concern was we were going to cut into people wanting to play the new Star Wars Battlefront game because we had so much recognition. We had such a big fan back. But, but what if your version of the most Mona Lisa is genuinely better? You know what I mean? Like what's wrong? Yeah. With that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of like the battlefield games, not so much Battlefront. And, and I've played Battlefront like classic one and two with Hunter and these guys. And, and it's just like, it's, it's fun when you're playing it with people that you like. Uh, you know like your friends but it's i don't know just something about that game that just doesn't hold me right um and then the the new ea ones that came out it's it's like wow it looks way better but it's actually kind of worse in in gameplay because <laughs> the their problem was that everything is about choke points right so it's like hey we're having a fight in a room and the only way out of the room is that door and the enemies in the room on the other side. So we're just like shooting through this door and spamming grenades until we, we get them all to die about the same time. And then we can run in there and then we'll fight for the next room. And it's just kind of like, yeah, too much, too much respawning, you know, it's uh, just didn't, didn't feel right. Like in the battlefield games, you got a, you have a little bit of a walk (laughs) to get back to the fight. So it, it's kind of like it's its own death penalty. Yes, you can respawn immediately, but um, you know it's it's not like you're just respawn die, respawn die. You know, just spamming yourself into the fire 
<laughs> you know, um, and that, that's kind of what didn't do it for me. Um, but the the other game that competes with that is Angels Fall First, right? And I kind of like that. And unfortunately, there's zero population play in that thing. Uh, you, you can catch it sometimes with three, four people on. But they've got bots, right? And the bots are pretty good. So if you jump in with a couple of buddies and you just want to co-op against the bots, you can do it, right? Um, but I looked at, like, when you guys got your thing rolling, it kind of looked like, you and angels fall first. We're trying to occupy the same space to some degree. And it, it's like the star Wars games get by, they can have a mediocre game, but Hey, it's star Wars, right? It, it sounds <laughs> like star Wars looks like star Wars. I got my member berries all in an uproar and, and I can tolerate a semi lame game. It, you know, sometimes star Wars skin on it. Sometimes a mediocre Star Wars game is all right. I mean, remember Yoda stories? That was pretty good. wasn't great, but all right. right? Yeah, you <laughs> play or play not, and I chose to play not. I love that thing. <laughs> I'll be honest. I really like that game. <laughs> I, I like that it existed, but I, yeah, was, wasn't my jam. I mean, don't get me wrong. We definitely wished at some point we could have stayed with the Star Wars theme. You know, it was something that we were passionate about. I mean, heck, that's why we got into it, right? Um, And as much as I want to say, like, the mouse stepped in and kind of ruined it for us, honestly, Disney was actually pretty supportive of us making the game we were trying to make. It came down to, you know, we got a cease and and desist from them, but it was on the request of Electronic Arts. EA actually stepped in and said, whoa, like we're producing these games. It's going to interfere with what we're doing because they were coming out with more Battlefront uh, games. You guys can't do that. Well, <laughs> again, <And> is that <sighs> is that really true? Is that well, uh, honestly, you know, we had multiple meetings. I actually sat down uh, and Richard actually did on a conference call a couple different times with the head of um, legal for Lucas Arts at the time. And they were 100% trying to negotiate between us and EA. They were going back and forth for maybe, I want to say, about a month and a half trying to convince EA to let us do it. You know, at one point we even talked about, hey, it's a free game. Let us throw it out on, you know, EA's origin platform for free and say, hey, you get access to this when you buy their Battlefront game or something along those lines. But at the end of the day, it was EA that stood their ground and said no. Wow. Yeah, see, I, I have this dream of a of a universe that is called not Star Wars, right? right. <laughs> or or like open open Star Wars or whatever that that would be so Star Wars adjacent that you can't mistake that it's Star Wars, but it's not. Right. It's it's just it's just this side of not Star Wars enough to dodge all that. Right. Um, but you guys kind of like went with your own like we're going to we're going to like make our own lore and a totally different look to the game and, and stuff. Right. Because like your ships, it's they're not like not X wings or, or whatever. It's like a whole other thing that you guys cooked up like to to get like even more distance from it. I, I don't know if that maybe hurts. I, I kind of feel like it does, right? Because it, it's like if it if it was like obvious when people looked at it, they're like, "Ah, oh, that's a Star Wars game with a different skin on it." Then I, I think you would pull those fans a little easier because it's it's kind of like when I look at this one, it's like, okay, it's cool looking, but it's not an IP that I know or identify anything with. So I, it, it's kind of makes it a little more difficult. Definitely, I mean. You know, it it is something that um, we kind of had we're trying to figure out how we could work around it. And and Richard probably touch on a little bit better, but we definitely want to try to keep some inspiration uh, without, you know, still worrying about every day. Are we going to get a season season assist from from Lucasfilm? Um, I can say that there was definitely a um, so I mean, the the day we got our season assist, we didn't kind of just roll over and say, all right, pack it up, guys. We're going to give up. Um, what, what actually happened was we came together and we talked about it between members of the team. And we reached back out to Lucasfilm to speak with them. And that's how we got that whole portion of they actually went back and forth on our behalf to kind of speak with EA and, and Disney to mediate to see if we can do something. Um, after that fell through and that wasn't going to happen, uh, we kind of – looked at what we had and we understood like listen we have this base framework correct um we have the engine of the car 
and we just need to build the car around it. And we knew it was going to be a very difficult task. And we actually lost a fair amount of, you know, very, very, very um, competent 3D help, uh, which was pretty much what we were missing at that time. Um, and it was painful. <laughs> but in that same regard, we knew we had something worthwhile to make and we knew we had the engine ready and so we decided to just follow through with our own take on the body of the car you know um right. and we felt that it, it it left open a lot of stuff at least for us visually and, and, and it opened up certain gameplay elements that just wouldn't be there in a star wars game because it wouldn't really match the direction of the star wars genre um, so I could say that while it did hurt it, and, and it would always have hurt to step away to, from Star Wars, it kind of opened up certain avenues that made us excited in that regard. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it opens up creativity, but it yeah. kind of squashes recognitions. Yeah, and it's kind of it's a give and take. It's, it's a trade off. Um, but I can I can say at the end of the day that we we do have something. Um, that we want to bring to a lot of people. And it is something that is thought through, that is created with a lot of um, reasoning and logic and just grandiose story prior and behind it. Um, and a lot of stuff that you can kind of tell, small little snippets in the environment of the game itself that you can you can actually see if you go look for, that I kind of actually add into the lore that we have established already. Um, the writers have done an excellent job. Um, or I, I guess right, when I say writers, our art director and our one writer, um, Chris Wiltz, they've actually done a great job of, of realizing this universe with such little, I mean, with, with like not very much time as a whole to realize something as robust as they want to do. Um, because, you know, their time is split between that and then writing for everything else and then the art director being the art director. Um, yeah. But we do... We, we, you know, we took that opportunity. We we wanted when we took it somewhere else. We, we we took it to do something that we felt was very interesting to do. And I mean, it's just it's not an easy thing to make a game, and it's something we definitely learned over the course of of the entire development cycle so far for just this demo alone. Um, we've learned a lot of different skills that we didn't have before that we know now um, to implement for the future. Because uh, we do want, we still want to make this game no matter what happens because we we see that what we have is very real at least in our own eyes that there is something here that pleases all of us from an aesthetic point of view from just a story point of view and it's it's going to take some time to get there um but we we you know losing to star wars didn't mean we lost interest which is pretty big because i mean that that does mean a lot to the team so I have I have a question. Not to kind of keep dwelling on the past because this is this is curious to me because you're probably the first devs that at least I've talked to that we've maybe even talked to that have had that direct one on one conversation with EA and those guys. Sure. Mm-hmm. I find I find I find that process that you guys went through uh, awesome and yet frustrating. Um, that they were even willing to give you guys a conversation. Um, and you, so you said like it was between EA and, and who, who was it? LucasArts at the time. That Lu- Lucasfilm specifically. Lucasfilms. Yeah. Okay. So, so handle the Brandon and, and all that kind of stuff for Star Wars. Yeah. So LucasArts did get shut down um, and Lucasfilm right, had right. taken over uh, all of the Star Wars IP, whether it was video games or whatnot. And then they had shopped out, you know, the video game license to uh, EA, uh, so that that was between them and then us, and it was pretty frustrating as well as kind of exciting at the same time because hey, we achieved a point where you know previously we had emailed into EA asking for uh, rights to use some of the art and stuff like that for this game because they held the art license for all Star Wars games. So the fact that it actually got far enough to where we had an executive from actually two executives, excuse me, from lucasfilm actually reach out to us and have multiple conversations with us it was exciting but the process was really the most frustrating part because lucasfilm consistently was like yeah you know we think we could work something out oh yeah let's let us take this back to ea and pitch this to them let's pitch that to them and ultimately after a long long time talking with them it turned out ea was just like yeah no it's not happening that was the most frustrating part I kind of wonder just at what point do some of these people who were wanting to try and help you guys make it work feel really bad considering the state of affairs 
Um, um, I'd assume it was pretty early on in all honesty, because what they did with us that they didn't do with a lot of other cease and desist letters is they sent out the cease and desist, um, but then actually had their assistants reach out the same day they sent it out via the mail and say, Hey, we're sending this to you, but we want to talk with you before you get it. And that's when they kind of took the time to actually explain to us like, Hey, it's not that we don't want you to do it. It's just, we can't authorize you to do it because somebody else has the right. And they kept trying, like I said, to negotiate for us. And they actually went a little past the date the cease and desist was supposed to take effect because they wanted to see it come to pass as well. Yeah, I find that I find that highly fascinating that that actually happened the way that it happened in a good way, because, you know, that was kind of how things used to be in the past with with Star Wars games, right? Like. It was a lot more open back in the day. It absolutely was. Um, I mean, we, we that, got we got a we got a good mix. I mean, some stuff was trash, but we also got a lot of good. <laughs> I mean, back when Lucas was at the helm of everything, he was very fan centric. Uh, that's something I'm I'm I, I'm kind of familiar with, and and something I've 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 known about and read about and heard about a lot in the past was when he was at the helm. He was much more open to the idea of, um, you know, independent developers taking the IP, uh, making something interesting, and kind of showing other people that, and and being willing to publish it. Um, of course, they license stuff out, and they and they hire studios to make games for them. But I, I and I forgot, and I don't remember the exact example, but they were just a lot more open to the whole idea of anyone kind of making something and kind of bringing it out, and yeah. even being supportive of it. I mean. As far as at least the filmmaking side, like they still have yearly competitions for who can make the best Star Wars fan film, you know. So I, it, if yeah, it, but they had to they had to bring that back though because yeah. it did it did go away for a little. Yeah, and that's <laughs> what I mean to say that's 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 the new era, quote unquote, of Star Wars that kind of took that away, and 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 it wasn't it wasn't detrimental to Star Wars to have fans making their own films to show off. Well, I actually and, remember and, one specific subset, which is um, about, it was following just stormtroopers and it had nothing to do with Jedi, nothing to do with the rebellion. It was just stormtroopers. Are you talking about, are you talking about the imps? Yeah. The, the imps, imps Imperial imps. Yeah. Oh dude, that was, yeah, yeah, and it's super really well-made too. Like it, not it even like, really well. and, and they, it got, was, they got Optimus prime to do the voiceover <laughs> intros. <laughs> like, yeah. That, it was, what? it was cool, dude. And that kind oh, of, yeah. that kind of stuff, like kind of like I see things like that in other fan films and I, you know, I saw those things. I'm like, damn, you know, yeah. I, I, at first I thought, for example, imps, I th- at first I thought it was like an actual licensed star Wars thing because of yeah, how I did it too was. at first. It's like the, the Imperial Galactic army service. You're just like, Holy crap. It's Optimus prime. Like, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's when wow. and why the lawyers jump in on stuff like that <laughs> is specifically because they're like, well, the fans will be confused because they won't know whether this is official or not. Uh, like, well, I, I think that's, I think that's kind of how we eventually wound up getting shut down because we gained so much popularity. You know, if you do just a quick search for galaxy and turmoil, a lot of stuff you're going to find online is star Wars related articles. I'm talking IGN, you know, all these major game news outlets that reported on us. And we wound up actually back. This is during the steam green light days when the only way on a steam is either you were a AAA publisher or you went by a green light. We actually had steam reach out to us and say, Hey, we would love to put this Star Wars game you're building right. on Steam for free. Right. Which so that didn't happen. Yeah, you know? Tell us about that. No, tell us tell us what, what went down with that. Like why did that why did that not go through? Well, it actually did go through. You know, so we actually got on Steam as a Star Wars game initially. And I think that's when EA kind of stepped up and was like, okay, like these guys are a little more serious and have a little more following than we would like, because now it's actually on another platform. It's a Star Wars game, not on Origin crap you know like i think that's kind of where that went um but like i said they reached out to us we got on steam you know without green light without being a triple a studio just a bunch of people in our spare time working on this star wars game and that's at the point everything kind of started going downhill for star wars but at the end of the day i wouldn't change a thing about how everything happened because where it launched us into where we're at now like we're so much better off and we were actually able to dive into our own universe and our own ip that we're all super excited about Sure. So before we jump into that, my last question about this whole in the past thing was, so with Steam then, with Valve, did they try to go to bat for you guys too? Or were they like, oh, nope, we're out? No, they were very hands-off. They just wanted us to be on the platform to, Wait, I guess. Steam I mean, was hands-off? They, they, 
You don't Steam. say. I mean, yeah. For the most yeah. part, all the only discussion that we had with Steam was getting on to Steam to release through Steam, and then using obviously their framework to release with. That's it. Like yeah. that, we, we that, really that is, didn't that, have a there. whole lot. Yeah, they, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't want to back us up or anything like that for obvious reasons. They, but I mean, they indirectly did by allowing us on in the first place and just allowing us to skip skip the line per se. Um, we actually have full publishing rights at the moment we release the game. We can go and release another game if we wanted to. Um, or at the time we, we could yeah. release anyway. At yeah, the time, we, yeah. Now, now, now you needed permission. You know, like I said, green light was the thing. So you had to actually have permission to launch stuff. And they were like, hey, you know what? Here's full access. Do what you guys want. Yeah, but what if I could get you one of them big Tim Sweeney checks? <laughs> Honestly, you know. <laughs> Being that I'm from Cary initially, I've often, you know, I have a couple of friends that work at Epic, so I, I keep trying to bug them, you know, hey, like, get me into a meeting with the guy. And let's <laughs> nice. So, so going forward, um, unfortunately, it looked like the Kickstarter. Talk to us about that. Yeah, honestly, you know, our Kickstarter failed yesterday. And as much as I would like to say, oh, bummer, like big shock, like we really thought we could pull it off. Well, we did think we could pull it off about a week into the Kickstarter. We realized it was doomed to fail. Um, our biggest issue was, you know, hey, we have over 150,000 people uh, that have Galaxy and Turmoil on their wish list. Now, the way Steam works, though, is we had to release a demo not an actual game at Steam's, you know, behest. That's what they told us. They're like, hey, if you release the demo, then people also can't leave reviews and stuff if the demo isn't that great, considering it is just a demo. Now, the problem is when you release a demo on Steam, nobody gets notified that has the full game on the wish list. So I, I was I was talking about this earlier with somebody else, but I was like, hey, you know, I actually got a message earlier today from somebody that was like, hey, I have the game on my wish list. Is it out yet? You know, a day after our Kickstarter failed, people are still asking about the game, saying, hey, where is it? Because they don't know that it's out, because they never got a notification on their wish list. So that seems really had- that seems really silly because like if you want the game, you'd want to know that there's a demo that you could try for this game you have on your wish list. Well, yeah, it, and if you don't get a notification with the it, uh yeah, the app, it's the app ID specifically. A demo gets released under a different app ID on the storefront for Steam than the full game itself. And the full game is what people wishlisted. So when we release the demo, it's considered, quote unquote, a different game. <laughs> and therefore, no one was really alert. Actually, that's a lie. There was five people who wishlisted the demo. So they got they alert got and they played. <laughs> so. Yeah, that, that was the biggest issue was, like I said, nobody had any notice about it, you know. Um, Another thing is, you know, all of our servers are officially supported by Nitrato, the one of the biggest server uh, companies out there. And it took them a minute, too, to even realize, hey, this was out, even though we told them it was coming out because they didn't even see that it was out on Steam because you, it's, it just says, oh, you know, demo, demo available. And they didn't realize that was the actual game because they didn't get notification from their wish list either. So that was really one of our biggest downfalls was, you know, the day we launched, I think to this day, we only have a little over 2000 people that downloaded the copy. And that's not enough to keep servers live 24 seven. You know, people aren't going to be playing 24 seven when you only have 2000 people that have the game. So what we're going to be doing is actually relaunching it. Uh, as of this evening, actually, the demo is getting taken offline by Steam. I actually got up with uh, somebody over at Steam and was like, hey, you know, this was our biggest issue. So they said, all right, you guys can go ahead and release it as early access. It'll still be a free game, but when it releases as early access, people will still get notification if they oh. have the full game on their wish list. So that's the goal going forward. And then you'll relaunch. So, so are you guys, I was about to ask, are you also going to do another Kickstarter or? Yeah, so that's the goal. So we're kind of reworking Kickstarter. Um, one thing we did learn from this Kickstarter was some of the feedback we got was that, you know, some of the rewards just maybe weren't uh, enough. So we said, okay, sure, no problem. Um, we're going to rework all the rewards and everything. We're also kind of reworking the game. So the game launched with a couple different game modes, uh, a couple different maps. And in today's gaming industry, you really have to either do one thing good or multiple things mediocre. I mean, look at any games that make it today. It's all just really one game mode at the end of the day. You, you want to know what our industry is really lacking across the spectrum? Go ahead, tell me. Capture and, the flag. So yeah. <laughs> it's funny that, that oh you bring God. that up. So one Where of our is game it? modes. Where's Capture the Flag? <laughs> oh, my God, you're right. Nobody's <laughs> found the flag yet. It's still going. God damn it. Dude, we were watching MechWarrior 4 Capture the Flag the other day. And it was just, intriguing. It was like, we need to play this. <laughs> yeah. So actually one of our game modes that 
I've been a fan of the most. It's kind of like a super buff capture the flag. And so what we're actually doing with the demo is we're scaling back a lot of the content when we re-release it as early access. And we're going to be focusing on a competitive capture the flag mode. So it's called... Yes. (laughs) If if you guys only had the Star Wars license, you could do Capture Baby Yoda and this (laughs) game would sell it. I'm oh not going to say that if somebody mods oh it, God. that wouldn't be rad. I'm also not going to say I'm going to formally support. <laughs> oh. oh, just in oh case uh, the mouse is listening out there. But that's your baby. So, so, yeah, keep going. Yeah, keep keep going though. I'm dude. You are you're getting <laughs> capture the baby. Capture the baby. So, so uh, it's called Siege, and honestly the day we launched it was probably our most played game mode we really fully expected the uh the ground to space mode to be everything that everybody want to jump to and richard and i were kind of talking about this yesterday about how like ground to space is kind of not really a big thing anymore people want like you said capture the flag so that's the game mode that people got the most excited for so we're going to scale everything back and kind of try to just focus the multiplayer game on this single competitive game mode uh currently it's 16 v 16 we want to bring that up a little bit um and kind of scale our servers up. The idea is you have, you know, an attacking team and a defending team. So the attacking team has to actually progress to the, what we call the egg or what you guys would consider the flag. You have to hack through multiple terminals one by one. The defending team can go and try to unhack these terminals. Uh, as the terminals get dropped, once all three terminals are dropped, then a shield comes down over the egg. The attacking team can try to get the egg and extract it, whereas the defending team can then try to defend. And the defending team, you know, they have uh, turrets, deployable things like that, teleporters, all bunch of tools at their expo- disposal to try and, you know, stop the attacking team from capturing the egg, so to speak. Yeah, it's kind of a layered capture the flag mode. That, that would be interesting, fun. though, if if it was... Remember in uh, in Battlefront 2 classic um they had the things where you'd fight on the ship but then you could jump in a starfighter and fly over to the other ship so if you had a if you had a ctf map that actually incorporated the the like first person and space thing where you know it's like okay i got the flag i ran down to the hangar i jumped in the ship and now i got to get it to my ship and tag it so hopefully you can stay in your seats when I say this, but we actually we actually did have that. Um, it's actually something we have. So what it's called? Oh, CTS. Shit, I fell out of my seat. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's called CTS, which effectively the attacking team starts on their own carrier ships. The defending team is in their own uh, capital ship as well. And the first stage of the game proceeds with um, <clears throat> the attacking team destroying shield generators on the external side of the enemy ship. And then from there proceeded into the hangars for the for the defendant team ship, and then um, kind of plays out the same way where you hack the security terminals, and then the egg becomes available to be taken, and then it becomes a capture the flag kind of situation again. So what we're going to do is focus on more the close quarters combat version that I was speaking about earlier. Um, like I said, we did have a version where it was starting from space to a tower ship and then back out to space to extract the egg. Um, but what we're kind of doing is redefining that map and kind of trying to figure out how it works a little bit better. So, you know, right now we're just going to stick with the close quarters combat release the new Kickstarter, you know, in a couple of days. And then from there, within a week or two, we want to scale up and release, you know, the uh, space siege, so to speak. Yeah. I feel nice. like I would, before you go the Kickstarter route again, um, I would let it get some 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 headway, build up some steam on steam, I guess. Uh, and and make sure that your you know your people have had time to be aware like hey man, this is it. And then uh, also instead of giving too much variety of game modes because if if you do have a low server population at first, you want to kind of concentrate people into sure. the same mode so that you do get those 16v16 matches cuz yeah, um the other thing, are you doing are you doing matchmaking like uh peer to peer the like the way Call of Duty does it today where it's just like okay, find me a game. Definitely. So you have that option. We have a quick play button that will search all available dedicated and local hosted servers and throw you into the one that has the lowest ping with the most players. Um, But we really wanted to stick with the uh, community hosted servers. So people can actually download a dedicated server client and host it themselves. Oh, God, I'm getting all hard over here. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, the old school stuff of, you know, because at the end of the day, really, like we could develop the game for ten years, um, but there's going to be a point where either we need to move on to something else, 
or you know the developers themselves want to move on to something else and we're not in the business of forcing our people to keep working for something that they don't want to really work for um so we you know we want well, to you're never going to make it in this business that way yeah exactly you have to crack the whip and like bobby if making games is fun you're doing it wrong I mean, I don't disagree, but in the same regards, you know, it's one thing when we can pay people and we can say, hey, this is the goal for, for this group. But the idea anyway with that I was trying to make, or the point I was trying to make was giving the fans the power to host their own stuff, to, you know, customize their maps however they want to, or as far as just being able to host their own games, because there are a lot of people that want to be able to host. And you can do a local host through the game, or you can do the dedicated uh, server client. You know, there's a lot of people out there who 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 appreciate the the ability to do that themselves instead of having to rely on an official server. It, it's sort of a lost means, art. Because this, yeah, that's true. Because this means mods and mod support, <laughs> and so we we don't have any formal mod support just because that's a whole different beast in itself. But that's mm. not to say if you mod the game, like we're gonna try to stop you. So we actually have this guy named Russell. He's a big fan on the server and he actually found a way to kind of almost reverse engineer the game a little bit and released a mod. And so the other day he actually released a mod where it pretty much replaces the vehicles with Thomas the tank engines and you could drive around chugging, chugging and blowing people up with tanks. So I feel like we know that guy. (laughs) So if you talk to train Wiz in our dev section, uh, he's actually the guy that did the Thomas the tank engine. Oh, no way. Yeah. For Skyrim. Yeah. He was the first one to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool. You know, we really want the community to be able to own this game as much as possible. And that's why we're making the multiplayer portion a free game. You know, in the long run, we'd like to have a single player campaign that's paid. But multiplayer, the idea is if we can keep it free, then it's something that the community can can kind of do themselves. You know, one of my fondest memories from growing up was I don't know if you guys ever played like the Return to Castle Wolfenstein games. Um, but it was a big game and communities really yep. could run their own servers. They modded them out, made their own maps, their own mods. And that's really where we want this to go is we want to, within a couple of years to be able to be hands off, except for our own official ideas and our official mods and let the community just have fun and make this their own game. Yeah. I would say that the Wolfenstein game uh, actually put us on the path to the multiplayer that we have had ever since. Because, you know, that that was like, hey, man, this is like a team-based, objective-based game. Uh, it, it's kind of like the great-grandfather of Call of Duty. I, I feel like Call of Duty devolved from that, actually, but sure. Yeah, no, and, you know, honestly, we probably could have been a lot further along today. Uh, we probably could have had a better game than what we put out. But we focus too much on still trying to retain a lot of that initial battlefront feel with the multiple game modes, the ground to space, you know, maps, stuff like that. And like I said earlier in the show, you really don't, you, you have to do one thing good in today's game industry. You can't do multiple things. So that's kind of why we're stepping back. We're going to focus on just doing one thing really good, and it's going to be that capture the flag competitive mode. Um, you know, there are multiple classes, you know, for example, there's an engineer class that gets a, a speed buff for the hacking. So it reduces the hacking time. Ooh. There's uh, certain different classes that, for example, our soldier class, it does more damage to soldiers. And then there's a demolitionist class that does more damage to vehicles, vice versa, all that kind of. Thing. So here's here's the thing that's been kind of frustrating for me is and there's nothing wrong with it, but like you know, that that. uh the death match or the team death match or sure. like the, the, the battle Royale stuff. Like, you know, you, you play, you play a, a, a certain type of game. Let's take um, call of duty or um, counter strike or something like that. You play that one game long enough as like your core game. You're going to be really good at it. Right. At least you should be with, with all the work you put in, but there there's, there's something to be said about having a team of skilled players playing together to accomplish objectives as your means to winning rather than who can get the most kills or survive the longest. Definitely. And that's really something that I really hammered into the team when we started talking about siege. So when we kind of took a step back from the star Wars thing, after we had to comply with the cease and desist and we started saying, Hey, we want to move along and do something new. The first game mode we actually came up with is that siege game mode that we've been talking about. So it's probably our most refined game mode. And the idea was, you know, we really want to break into the competitive market. 
you know, me coming from the, the Wolfenstein days, you know, uh, one of my fondest memories was using teamwork to get behind enemy lines early on in the game and being able to complete objectives within, you know, two, three minutes that end the whole match, you know? So that's why, for example, our assassin class, it has a teleporter that can be dropped behind enemy lines. And then your people can tend to teleport in, you know, early on in the game and try to do stuff. So that's really where we're trying to focus is that core teamwork of everything and having to move, you know, through singular objectives to actually win the match rather than just running around and blasting everybody until the game's over. I mean, yeah, that is fun, the, but yeah. No, do you having... have the ability to like pad it out with bots? Because <laughs> it's, it's like if, I, if I'm setting up a server, but I don't have population on there, but I want to build a population, it's like if you get on a server and there's like two, three people, then they're, you know, they'll stick around for a minute and it's like, ah, okay, and then they drop. So you never actually get the snowball where the server fills up, right? Definitely. So, right. I think that was honestly one of our biggest issues was, you know, working as a team that we had, we really only have one like programmer that's like actually really good and, and handles most of it. So building this game from the ground up with no help, you know, he did a great job and we were like, you know, we're going to have to make bots a, uh, a stretch goal on steam. Once it launched and we saw the servers were so low because nobody knew the game was out. We said, Oh crap, what do we do? He went and literally Christmas Eve busted out a patch that put bots in the game. So bots are there. Now we do have an iteration of bots. The only thing we're missing right now is the ability to, um, you know, control how many bots there are on your server, but mm -hmm. bots are now a thing. And, you know, within the next couple of weeks, we're hoping to push out like a bot manager almost. So, um, I need you to do me a big favor in the, end right. of the show. You guys need to like stick around because I want to talk about how I want to do this. This is great. <laughs> so yeah, gonna, no, I mean, oh, sorry, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 please go ahead. No, so you're going to relaunch the Kickstarter. That's, that's the, that's really the big news here is that this is not dead. You're going to try again. Um, what would you say are some of the biggest things you learned? You, you did mention one thing, but what are some things you learned from the, uh, this original Kickstarter that you're going to try and do differently in the next one. Definitely. So like I said, uh, one of the biggest things is we are going to be changing up our stretch goals and we're also going to be changing up uh, the perks you get for backing. Um, a lot of them, you know, people just said it wasn't intensive enough. So some of the stuff we're looking at adding, for example, is a physical uh, art book or an install, uh, like a custom install box kit actually for the actual game in the long run. Um, we're looking at some merch, t-shirts, lanyards, stuff like that. Um, we're also, like I said, we're trying to scale down the game a little bit and just focus everybody on one game mode for now so people can get used to playing and get used to what the game is about. So the biggest thing for us, though, and I think uh, it's kind of a cliche almost, but we put too much text into the Kickstarter. So we wanted to make sure, hey, you know, we're asking for hell a lot of money. You know, 500 grand is what we were asking for. And we had a wall of text. Granted, it has GIFs and images and all this stuff. But, you know, in today's society, people want quick service. They don't want to sit down and read all that information. So what we're doing is we're actually scaling back how that works and we're going to make it uh, a much shorter description for Kickstarter. Yeah, more bulleted lists would probably be better. Yeah, that's kind of the idea. You know, like I said, I have an issue with, you know, my wife, for example. Uh, we go out to a restaurant. I love her to death. Um, but she'll look at a menu and look at me and be like, hey, what, what's in this dish? And I'm like, D didn't you? Uh, you know, she's like, oh, no, I just kind of skimmed it. And it's true. That's what happens. And that's that's a big thing that happened with the Kickstarter is a lot of people didn't get into the really detailed meat of it. So we're looking for a way to condense that as well for the next Kickstarter. Um, you know, I, I think Alan said it earlier, you know, we're going to launch the early access before the Kickstarter this time, though. You know, last time we said we want to launch a Kickstarter with the demo. And I think that was a big you know downfall as well so what we're going to do is we're going to launch early access and then go into the demo after the fact yeah that probably makes sense build some build some uh hype around the demo get some population build a community. on there yeah get some populations on there so that like if people come over for like oh there's a kickstarter let's try this demo and there are people actually playing it yeah. yeah, you know, honestly, I like I said, I think one of the biggest downfalls was nobody got notified when it was out. That's, and oh, we really people that's, needed people to know. That's so insane. that was really and you know, I hate to say that's the only reason. Somebody did ask earlier in, in your chat, you know, like, hey, why did this take so long? At the end of the day, we had a team of volunteers that were doing this in their spare time. Everybody does have full time jobs. You know, everybody works nine to five, has many people, you know, they're they're late twenties, early thirties, and they have families. 
you know, so they were working on this in their spare time. And it got to the point where we just had to say, we can't keep trying to clean this up. We just have to put it out. Cause at the end of the day, it was just a demo and, you know, it's just a conceptual demo. So I think that's one of the biggest issues we have. Yeah. And again, kind of reiterating on prior, um, is that our actual like individual teams, like, you know, for example, we only had one programmer. We only have one dedicated 3D artist. Um, and, you know, the size of game we're trying to make it, it, it to, to do something like that on a free time, on free time itself, as well as, right. you know, with no, there's no, there's no compensation in sight for any of us. You know, we're not making money off of this. We're not, we're not, <laughs> we don't have investors behind us or something like that. You know, it's just all been a, oh, I have 20 minutes of spare time. Let me see if I can. Uh, I think a lot of <laughs> I think a lot of players don't have a full good concept of just how much work and time goes into making yeah, and, one of these things. Yeah, and, and you know, and it's not and it, the thing. The thing, and, and it's kind of like unfortunate, but at the same time, that's the reality of the situation. Of you know, it's not really there. You know, if if you have an interest in it, you can learn about it. Yeah, you can learn like, oh wow, this takes a lot of effort. But in the same regard, you know, it isn't. It falls to us to to make that apparent but it also falls us to understand like they're not there's going to be a lot of people who just don't really care who you know how much work gets put into it by how many people or how few people or how little time or how much time there's going to be there's a lot of people just aren't going to care they're just going to see the product of they see and then then just going to say i like it or i don't like it and then scream that at the rooftops you know and and, and it's a sad situation but it's the reality of not just game development, but development for anything, really. It, it it can be years of time put into something by one person. And for people who have done it before or understand it, they're like, wow, like they're fans. Like something that you see that's kind of crappy um, somewhere. But if you understand the business and you understand what goes into it, you can be like, damn, I'm impressed. Like this might not be the top tier amazing, but you did this by yourself. Like, holy crap, that's crazy. Um, someone who doesn't understand the business is going to be like, oh, what the hell? This is crap. I don't like this. <laughs> well, and I think one of the biggest things too was, um, you know, we didn't really get the chance to push the Kickstarter in the game that much, you know, not to bash on Valve. I love them to death. You know, we have a very close contact that helped us at the end of the day, get this released on steam, but we actually were told we had to remove any link, any reference to Kickstarter from the game itself because that what? goes against Valve's terms. Of yeah, yep. so we, we were actually slated to release it on a certain day. We had it all lined up. Uh, when you release a game on Steam, it has to go through a review process, pretty much where they just make sure you're not vaporware, you don't have a bunch of you know viruses and stuff in the game. Understandable, no problem. Sure. But what turned out was we got stuck in this loop. Uh, I'm talking for about two weeks of just denials of our game oh, gosh. because we mentioned Kickstarter. We linked to Kickstarter. For example, uh, it said in the intro video to the game, you know, we're, this is a conceptual demo. If you like what you see, consider us backing, consider backing us on Kickstarter and then a link to the Kickstarter. I've no, seen, sorry, you can't, you can't have I've that. seen other games with like splash yeah, screens well, <laughs> that list Kickstarter and stuff. Well, what? and then it even got to the point where like, you know, we had linked as part of our agreement with Nitrato for their server hosting. Um, we linked a rent a server button in game, pretty common in games that rent servers. Uh, well, they turned out and said, hey, you can't link to Nitrato because that's not using a product or service that's through Steam Wallet. The issue was Steam Wallet, Steam Wallet, Steam Wallet. That's really what it came down to. Yep. So luckily, you know, we have this guy, the guy that helped us get on Steam when we were uh, the Star Wars game. So I hit him up and I was like, just, hey, look, man, this is what's going on. This is the issue. And he was understanding and kind of helped push us through that process. But for two weeks, our game actually got delayed and we had to remove any reference to Kickstarter outside of just saying this couldn't be done without the support of our Kickstarter backers. That's the only way we were allowed to mention it. God, like they it's have politics. Like, I mean, they have a way to easily email people when a game that is on their wish list is on sale. This is the same thing. Basically, yeah, like, hey, there's a, a new demo. Brian, say again. Because the demo, if if the demo is a different app ID than uh, the full game, it's not uh, going to work that way. You can wishlist uh, DLC, and it'll do the same thing. You know, if you wishlist uh, upcoming DLC for a game you like, you will get notified when that's available. Because shouldn't Steam it. shouldn't Steam be smart enough to know that there's a demo for this game that people want? We should email the people who want this game. <laughs> 
and not to bash Steam. Um, again, you know, they are kind of our saving grace in this entire thing. They got us to the point where we are. Uh, but you, one would think that you'd be able to say, hey, I have this game. I should know if there's a demo or a new DLC for it. But I guess a lot of that also comes down to, you know, a lot of games, especially indie games, they push out these updates 24-7, new patches, new f- DLC, stuff like that. And you, they don't want to spam people, you know, because that's not good for business in, in any industry you're in. Um, it, it kind of infuriated us at one point, and I'm just going to be completely transparent, but one of the recommendations from Steam was, hey, why don't you implement a donation DLC into your game to where people, if they want to donate, they can buy this DLC to support you through Steam. Huh. Yeah, Which, yeah, that's an yeah. okay idea, but it kind of defeats the purpose of Kickstarter. And Steam gets a cut of any donations that we would get. Just kind of like, oh, what's the what's the point? Of, of course, they want you to do that. Yeah, yeah. So what you know, like their business at the end of the day, they're just looking out for their interests. And what about Lord. in the game? Like after people have downloaded the game? Nope. Can you, can you have a flash screen? Nope. No. That that was not- our first issue. Was that's what we had? Was just a screen that said, "Hey, if you'd like to donate." go here. We didn't even have a direct link to the Kickstarter. Put and it in like, the level. Even, put it put it in the nope. levels. Like put it well, put it in. Well see what they do though is they actually play test the game before they uh. approve it. You know, at one point they told us, hey, you can't even claim to have partial controller support, even though you support controllers because you can't use it in the main menu. You can only use it in you know, so we had to go back and remove anything having to do with that from the Steam page. And it was just this long drawn out process oh, to get my. to it. Oh my and, you, you know, just to touch on something that was said earlier, you know, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, it's nobody else's fault that the Kickstarter failed. At the end of the day, it's our fault. You know, maybe we didn't do marketing right. You know, some of the game wasn't as polished as it could have been. We did hype it up a lot. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, we're launching this Kickstarter. We launched this demo. Now going with early access, so many small game developers. And this actually goes to somebody that had asked earlier why, you know, the game wasn't more polished. When it comes down to time, you know, people were working knowing we're releasing this free game, whereas most games that come out on Steam, even early access, they're released for 10 bucks. You know, so they still expect when people download it, those 2000 people that downloaded it, that could have been, you know, a a lot of money right there. You know, Uh, so we unfortunately didn't have that. So we just like I said, we didn't have the time to actually polish it the way we wanted to. Um, Luckily, that siege mode that we're kind of scaling the game back down to is our most polished mode with our most polished maps. So I think that's really going to help boost us forward, you know, after we release. Yeah, because people love a good capture the flag mode, and that sounds like a really fun, like, twist. So, wait, what is that new siege mode uh, demo coming out? What is that coming out? So hopefully by the end of this week, um, I don't want to give a definitive date just because we're still kind of tweaking things just a little bit to accommodate, you know, maybe a bigger player base. Because initially we did have other game modes. So we're like, we could just do this with like 32 players. Well, now we kind of want to scale that up a little bit and try to get some more players. So we're doing a little bit of stress testing just to make sure, you know, um, networking and everything, it could handle more players on that small map. So mm-hmm. hopefully this week. Okay, so that's great. And then after that, you'll give that time to percolate a little bit and then relaunch the Kickstarter in a few weeks, a month? Yeah, that's kind of the idea. I'd like to have the Kickstarter launched by the middle to end of February. Um, mm. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe give it a month for, you know, hopefully these 150,000 people to download it, play it, realize it's actually pretty fun, and, you know, go ahead and, and make something happen with the Kickstarter. Yeah, I, well, I, re- I would say... I'm oh, sorry. I was no, go say, ahead. I, I would I would stick around here, and uh, if you guys have the ability to post post updates around here, because I mean we are Space Game Junkie after all. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I'm not going anywhere. You know, I've I've followed the podcast for a little while now so you know i was super pumped when uh you guys reached out and said hey like let's get you guys on um so we're definitely going to stick around you know one big thing is we're going to try to get up with more streamers as well and actually try to get them to play the game uh the problem is right now the game market is just so oversaturated with all the christmas games like so i think us waiting a little longer before we do the kickstarter you know it'll give us a chance to get that game into those streamers hands and stuff like that and a little couple of the curators on steam and, and whatnot yeah, and I, I think it, if it's early access for a while, then you'll get feedback from the community and, and stuff, and you and you get a chance to actually like get the game in a state where it it like builds and holds population. 
And then you can take that to the Kickstarter as well and say, hey, man, you know, we've already got this player base and whatever, right? So, and then you've also got that many people that are aware that the thing exists. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, you got to think, you know, 150,000 people have the game on their Kickstarter. If even a fraction of them donated, you know, the Kickstarter will be able to pass. So, you know, we're really banking on, you know, we have these hundreds of thousands of people that said, Hey, I want to play. So now when they get notified, it's out, hopefully they're still interested. You know, we made a promise to the community, you know, a couple years ago, we're going to build this game. We're going to put it out for free. We're going to uphold our end of the bargain. It's then up to the community that has been around and getting us on steam, the community that got us the notoriety with these news outlets to then actually, you know, come in and do their part. Right. Well, folks, uh, we're going to start wrapping it up. But again, the game is Galaxy in Turmoil. Uh, the, the, uh, there's going to be a new, uh, you're calling it early access version uh, yep. within the next week or so that you can get on Steam. Uh, that'll have uh, some multiplayer. It looks like it sounds really fun. I really like the idea of the Siege mode because probably Capture the Flag is probably my favorite multiplayer mode in games like this. Um, bots, 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 bots. Like I said, the bots are there. So hopefully, you know, maybe we can come back and, you know, we can play a couple games with you guys. Oh, that'd be oh, fun. Yeah. That'd be fun. Um, so yeah, keep an eye out on Steam. Uh, for for the Galaxy on Turmoil early access launch. Wish listed if you haven't. Uh, keep an eye on for the Kickstarter. Maybe by the end, uh, middle to end of February. And uh, just a couple programming notes before we wrap up. Uh, tomorrow on the morning stream, we're going to be uh, trying a roguelike called 1001st Hyper Tower, which is a vertical climbing and shooting roguelike. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then next week on the podcast, we're going to be welcoming back the developer of the free Master of Orion 1-ish 4X, uh, Remnants of the Precursor. We had uh, Ray on a while back. And uh, he has definitely been making strides with this game, so we're going to welcome him back to talk about uh, his free, again, free Master of Orion 1 style uh, 4X, uh, which clearly there aren't enough of, because everyone tries to redo Master of Orion 2, which is the lesser game. Let's be honest. (laughs) Uh, So, folks, I want to thank you for uh, listening tonight. I want to especially thank our patrons, uh, for helping keep the literal lights on around here. If you want to learn how to become uh, a patron and help us become a full-time endeavor, you can go to spacegamejunkie.com slash support, where there are links to our Patreon, our merch store, affiliate links. It's all there on one page. Uh, every dollar helps. And gentlemen, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to uh, talk to us about this and for being so frank and honest about uh, the ups and downs of this project. There are, you know, it sounds like there's plenty of both, but we are all very, I, can't, I think I can speak for all of us when I say we're very glad that it's not dead. You're going to be continuing, plugging forward, and we really hope that the next iteration of both the uh, demo and the Kickstarter garner a lot more attention. We'll help with that in any way we can. Um, Thank you so much, man. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it it was a pleasure being on here, man. And, uh, you know, back to the whole transparency thing, you know, that's our biggest thing is we just want to make sure that, you know, we're being as transparent with the community as possible. A lot of game developers kind of keep things behind closed doors. And our thing is, you know, we want to give you guys as much information as possible. So that's why actually on our public discord, we actually have um, our development repository. All of our updates are linked to our discord. So every time we push an update, the community can actually go and see in real time when an update is pushed, if something's removed, something's added, something's being tested. You guys can see it right oh, then and there. That's great. Yeah. That's yeah. great. So, you know, feel free to hop on our Discord, check it out. We're all active. We talk every day. And, you know, we let people give their feedback on, you know, hey, I saw you guys pushed out this update in your development repository. What's this? Oh, sure. We'll talk with you guys. You know, it's all about transparency for us. Now, that's more people should do that because I don't know about you guys, but when I'm following a game and there's an update, I want to know every nitty gritty of the patch notes of what has changed. Like, I don't know about you guys, but that, the, that steam page, the community page where you can follow all your games and see all the updates. I'm there multiple times a day. Like if a game got a patch, I'm like, Ooh, what is it? <laughs> I want to know. Yep. 
that was the idea, man, was like, let's just give the community as much information as possible. That way, like it also kind of hypes things up a little bit. You know, the people in our discord, they see these updates before they're even posted to the community before the build is live on steam. So they kind of get hyped and be like, oh, I'm so excited to see this. And then the patch notes come out and they're like, oh, finally, I've been watching these notes come in for weeks. I can actually go play it now. Or I think more developers should do that. That's it was that hard to set up that sort of that sort of uh, thing. No, honestly, it was, uh, it's really just push notifications, um, you know, to our steam channel, you know, via webhook, really, really, or excuse me, our uh, discord channel via webhook. So it's really not that hard. It took us, you know, a couple hours to figure out the programming wise. And, uh, we push an update and a webhook goes out and post the update, which team member posted it. Uh, you know, we have our tags for if it was programming 3d, whatever, and it's there for everybody to see in real time. It's the same update log that we see when we're developing. Oh, that's great. I, uh, developers, if you're listening, you should do, that sounds like a great idea that you should do <laughs> on your own discords. Seriously. That is. But yeah, thank you so much for having us on, man. It was, oh, it was a pleasure. Uh, so folks, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week with remnants of the precursors. Have a good night, y'all. Bye-bye. <laughs>